one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Guys, welcome to the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I'm here with producer Guy. This is episode number 97. Um, feel like it's been a few days since I've seen you. You've been on holiday. It is. Today's Monday. Last week on Wednesday. You've literally just walked through the door, what, five minutes ago? Yes. I've never spoke. <laughs> All right? I'm like, come on, let's go. We've got to get a podcast done. Um, I'm excited this week because it's my, one of my favourite weeks of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm, I know you've got slightly different opinions, maybe, but I'm intrigued to know if it's going to change this week. It's the bloody Ryder Cup week. It is Ryder Cup week. I'm excited. Is it that it starts? I'm slightly gutted because I could have been there. Mm, I had I had an invite to be there. Hospitality every day, but the government restrictions at the moment, certainly in the would it be more from the USA side? It is, isn't it? Yes, from the USA. Unless I'm going over there for actual work, which really I'm not. Unfortunately, I'm just going over for a bit of a jolly. Um, I can't get a visa. I can't get a green card. I can't do this, that, and the other. I'd have to isolate for twenty days or however long it is, and that's not something I'm willing to do. As much as I love Ryder Cup, that's just not something Could I'm. Could you not say it was for work and got a few Instagrams? I think I needed something. Some clarification or something it didn't quite work out i looked into it um bar literally getting a private jet and just sneaking in i don't think i could have done it um but either way i'm excited to watch on tv because it is one of my favorite events i am fascinated and i mean this to the to the most extreme level i'm fascinated about bryson dechambeau at the moment Mm. like crazy amount did you watch that youtube video i told you to watch i didn't watch that i sure you saw, I, I, I kind of saw clips. I saw what he posted on Instagram this I'm weekend. Right, I, I took a screenshot of it. Get this, right? So he's there smashing driver, okay? On Trapman, when it turned to Trapman, and he's absolutely smashing it. I'm not sure if this was regulation length driver, whatever it may be, but club head speed, he clocked 148 miles per hour. 148 miles. Did you say it was a regular driver? Like a normal. I don't know. But it, even so. It was such a short clip. He kind of just went prepping for the Ryder Cup, smacked this driver as hard as he could, and it was a really extreme hit. Like, you know, when you said last week, when you watched him against long drive golfers, he still looked like a conventional golfer. Yes. That looks like it changed on this driver shot. He absolutely went for it. Feet off the ground, full rotation. It looked as unconventional of a golf swing from one of the best players in the world I've ever seen in my life. So I would say the average club golfer, they swing... Because when I used to do my fitting events, obviously I used to have a, a flight scope. So I would see them hitting driver. And you do get the odd guy who might be 110 miles an hour, whatever. You know, a young athletic guy who plays rugby who's now going to golf. But typically, you're looking at between 90 miles an hour to early hundreds, yeah. really. And you will yeah. know that from your giving, obviously, loads of lessons. Yeah, and even PGA Tour average was about 112 miles per hour. So that's kind of roughly where I sit and you sit in yeah, that yeah. kind of in that kind of speed. Um Bresney Shambo, 148 miles per hour. His ball speed, again, let's put this into a little bit of perspective. If you're hundred miles per hour, which is just above average, and you absolutely crush one as best you can, you get the best performance, everything, you're gonna max out. 150 miles per hour ball speed. And that's that one that you hit every five weeks or so. That is literally 150 miles per hour ball speeds where most golfers, they're not going to get any faster than that ever. The average apparently is 133. Brilliant. So there you go. 
on tour, you normally see him getting closer to 170 miles per hour ball speed. Yeah. Some jump over that, but around about that speed. His ball speed <laughs> on this particular clip was 215 miles per hour. Oh, my God. Well, I watched that video I watched the other day. I think he was quested to get to 214. I don't think he did it in that video I watched. So to get to 215. He carried it. Go ready on. for this. And this was the caption he put over the top. How many, how many greens will I drive? Okay. He carried it 383.1 yards. I mean, that's mind-blowing. But, right, obviously, <laughs> he's had an incredible couple of years. And, and the massive story has been distance. And I must admit now... He is my favourite golfer to watch at the moment because of that. He's the most entertaining. 100%. Definitely. He's the real-life Happy Gilmore, but can play the rest of the game as well. Yeah. But, you know, you're obviously the PJ Pro. You've you've seen this kind of thing probably before. And, and, you know, golfers trying to gain speed, gain distance. Certainly, tour pros have done it before. Do you think it's sustainable? I don't want to be that guy that calls him out, oh, he's back in five years. But genuinely, do you think it's sustainable? And do you think it's actually going to materialise into winning more tournaments in the future and, and helping the you know America win the Ryder Cup, etc. So there's quite a few questions. Let me dive let me let me break this down on first. Is it sustainable? I think he's clever enough to make it sustainable. Mm -hmm. I think if it was anybody else, if it was somebody who maybe didn't think about those long lasting effects, yeah. I think he's doing it with the right information, the right advice, that he is I'm not saying I'm not guaranteeing this is going to be sustainable, mm -hmm. but I feel like he would have definitely factored that into his calculations. Mm -hmm. Do you think? I do, but the only thing I wonder is that that video I watched the other day, it was really good, actually. If anyone's anyone's interested in watching it, it's on his own YouTube channel he's just kind of started uploading on. And he's this whole day at this long drive facility. Now, that's only one video. And, like, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but I almost feel like he must be spending less time practicing other parts of his game if he's putting that much into his driving. Yeah. Um, and is he kind of going to get so obsessed that other things take a hit, or is it still all focused on, obviously, winning PJ Tour events? He's actually got a video coming out tonight, so it's premiere at 6 o'clock UK time, so it'll be out while this podcast is already out. Speed training preparation, Bryson DeChambeau. I'll be watching it. He's releasing that tonight. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. That That's the other thing. Like, I feel like he's probably... will have all that information about how to make it sustainable, but when you're in the moment and when you're trying to get 215 miles per hour ball speed and when you're hanging around with all these long drivers, does sustainability go out your mind? I'd, you'd think so. Like, like people probably train in the gym incorrectly when they're around their peers, when they're trying to when they're trying to show off almost. It's like when we used to go to the gym sometimes and I was benching more than you and you started absolutely squeezing and tensing and shouting to try and match me, <laughs> pulling your pec muscles. That's what I'd have to do. And it wasn't sustainable. <laughs> it didn't last, I'm afraid. Um that, that that is fascinating and i find i find it amazing because in so to answer your next question is it going to help him win more tour tour events yes categorically yes because facts show that if he hits it closer to green it's easier for him to make more birdies mm -hmm. it kind of doesn't always work as we saw that with patrick cantley in the in the playoff final when they had six hole playoffs i think it was patrick cantley was much much shorter patrick cantley was hitting like nine irons etc into greens bryson was literally flicking them and chipping them patrick came out victorious in that turn but i think over a season if he's sustainable i absolutely believe it's going to help him win more tournaments um, I just hope he shouts four a bit more often, but that's a different topic. Um, and then, but to be honest, he's not the only one. I saw a few guys this weekend that wasn't shouting four again. I feel like it needs to become a movement. And then, um, what was the last question? Ryder Cup, I think it's going to be fascinating in the Ryder Cup because it's match play. Yeah, 100. If you're playing against him and he's bombing in past you. Like, who can honestly, who's going to start, who's going to be one impaired against Bryson DeChambeau? No, I wouldn't. I feel like Ram would. Mm. I think Ram would beat him. I think Rory would fancy a chance. I think Rory would beat him. But let's say... You no, know I think would really fancy his chances? Poulter. Yeah. I know it sounds stupid. I feel like he'd be he'd like, I'm the underdog. I'm going to like... Yeah, he would I'm actually. the little pup that's going to grind you down. But then, is he just going to dominate someone like a Tyrrell Hatton? Or uh, Bert Wiesberger? Someone like that where... I don't know. Probably Tyrrell will be able to hold his own. But I mean, so outrageously different mm. you know certainly if it was a maybe one of the rookies as well for the europe team like god forbid and hopefully this kind of goes our way but if he gets paired against matt fitzpatrick that would be i can't as much as i want europe to win 
I can't see that going anyway other than Bryson DeChambeau. But equally, it's not like Bryson beats Matt Fitzpatrick every round, he every tournament, does he, at but all? It, but it's match play. Like, when you stood on that tee against your, compo- your, uh, your con- opponent, and he steps up there and absolutely rips it. I mean, it's just a different mindset, isn't it? Fli- flip side, though. Imagine you're Bryson, yeah. and I'm Matt Fitzpatrick, and you bomb one, 370, and yeah. I go 310, right? And we both half it. You're thinking, I just done him by sixty yards, and he's stuck a full around to three foot. Fair dues. Like it's almost going to get the other way. But I'm just looking now. So the, the PJ Tour average for last year, Bryson's number one in distance, and his average is three hundred twenty-three point seven yards. Second is Rory at three nineteen, Cameron Champ at three seventeen, Matt Wolf at three fifteen. I'll just read a couple out. Dustin was number seven at three twelve. So clearly, obviously, Bryson's number one by four yards, which at that level is a lot. But and I know we don't see behind the scenes of necessarily Rory, Matt Wolf, and I know these guys all go to the gym. But for those couple of yards extra that Bryson is than the likes of Rory and etc., do you think all that stuff in the gym and all that long drive tra- training is kind of worth it? Do you think he's or is he the kind of guy that would see every single yard as being so valuable to do anything for it? Yeah, you're probably right because if he's neglecting other parts of his game, is that going to have a detrimental effect? Um, it would be it would be really interesting to see how it pans out. What pairings would you love to see against each other? Oh, good question. Let me pull up the teams. Now. I've got I've got one I fancy. I'd love to see, and I don't think it's gonna happen, but I would love to see Bryson and Brooks on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> against Ram and Rory. Ooh. I think that would just be epic. I think we're safe to say that Brooks and Bryson aren't gonna be together though, are they? But I did not. I don't know. I don't think so. I did not. Well, I heard um, Luke Donald on the No Laying Up podcast, actually really good. And he was on about the, the pick, you know, how they pick teams and stuff. And apparently, and kind of suppose obviously, there is so much that goes into it. You know, you've got to get, have a good rapport. Well, on, on that, I was t- chatting to um, Tyrrell when I filmed with him a couple of weeks ago, chatting to him off sideline, saying you're looking forward to Ryder Cup. Who are you most likely to be paired with? He already knew. Did he? Did he not tell you? No, but it's not. It's not Padre just going, oh yeah, Tyrrell kind of gets on with X, Y, and Z. It's a lot. It's outrageously statistically analysed. Well, they do it on, certainly on the foursomes, they, do, they really look into who'll be on what tee, who's going to put in more, etc. Yeah. And, and even like, who's going to complement each other's strengths. Yeah. So for example, if you have got a long drive with the golf ball, who is good with the wedges? Mm. Like, there's no point in putting someone out that's terrible with the wedges with a long driver because yeah. they're going to hit it too close to the green for example but um, on the flip side if that player is too short the component lets the, the, your opponent not your opponent your partner are you capable enough hitting those four or five irons into the green when you need to so it, it's very but we're just saying that on a very very top line level it's really broken down over many many years of, of analy- analyzing these players knowing that they're going to be ready for the Ryder Cup I feel week. like it's it's one of two ways it's either all these decisions are obviously really essential or overkill <laughs> yeah I feel like you could just go right you play with him you yeah. play with him you're all the best players in the world go and win the tournament go I and agree. beat each other I agree or it actually is super super important but now that obviously the Ryder Cup week is upon us genuinely now are you more excited than it would be if it's Masters week or open week or not I just love all the different scenarios that could happen this week. Mm-hmm. You know, the Masters, I love the Masters because of the, the venue, the prestige, you've got the best players in the world, and at the end of it, there's going to be one champion putting on that green jacket. You don't know who's going to play in the last group against each other. You don't know, you can't predict it, can mm-hmm. you really? It's very hard to predict. Where in this, you just dream up these kind of scenarios. Like yeah. you dream up Poulter versus Bryson when, when it comes down to who's going to win the point for the team. It comes down to these amazing pairings where you're seeing someone like a, a Tommy and Rory versus whoever it may be, Colin Morikawa and Dustin Johnson or whatever it may be. I feel like because you've got a smaller pool of players to pick from, you almost come up with these different kind of scenarios in your head. Mm. Where the Masters... You don't really get that till maybe the final round. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm intrigued to see how people are going to work together, how the teams are going to be picked, who's going to who's going to shine, as did someone like a Tommy and, and Frank Frankie Molinari mm. three years ago, and who maybe is going to you know not particularly perform. There's been quite a few USA players that will openly admit they've not performed in Ryder Cups yet. Is that going to be another time when they don't again? Was it? I think it's nine at last twelve. 
Europe have won. Crazy, isn't and it? most years that well, most events the kind of the underdog. I mean, this year it's obviously in America. There's going to be little to no European support, as you said. You you were invited. You yeah. can't get there. Uh, even um, I don't think partners of players can even go. No, I'm sure really? it's really really strict. A bit like uh, Emma Rada. Radicanu, I think Radicanu, it is. Like, she couldn't have a family yeah. there. She had to have just her training coaches. I think it's still outrageously strict. So someone like Lee Westwood, his wife is going because she's caddying. Unless, like, Ian Poulter's wife would be able to go because she is obviously based in the USA. Ah, yeah. So there'll be some that will be able to go because they're based in the US, but I reckon there'll be others that just won't be able to go. I think actually quite a lot of them will have US bases, won't they? Actually, I think about so. Casey. Tommy's got a place out there, I think, now, hasn't he? Yeah. Poulter, obviously. Rory. Yeah, I've changed my opinion on the ride a couple a little bit. So Oof. I know I, I'd said before how it was overrated, and the reason was I'll just touch on that was that I feel like I did. I, obviously, I'm English, but I don't feel necessarily European, so I don't feel like I'm supporting like Europe as yes. such. And you know, like I don't feel any closer allegiance to like Sergio being Spanish than I would like Colin Maracao being American, for example. But I also think I was overanalyzing it. Okay. When it actually comes, I watched the Solheim Cup the other day, especially the final singles, and actually in that moment, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I think when the actual Ryder Cup is on, I do, like everybody, I do really enjoy it. I think the only thing I sometimes feel is once it's been and gone, it's kind of, to some degree, irrelevant who won. Because it's not like I've got American mates or they'll give like stick to whatever. Whereas like with football, if Liverpool play United and Liverpool win, I'm going to give you stick for a couple of days or whatever. Yeah. You're obviously a massive football fan now, so you get sort of debate. You're almost obviously. in tears. But with the Ryder Cup, it's kind of like, oh, it's been and gone now. But in the moment, it's really good. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I think I was, oh, and also like, with a major, it's like it's kind of a win-win because if somebody wins a major who's never won, won before, so let's just say Matt Fitzpatrick goes and wins the Masters, like, oh my days, he's won the Masters, he's now a major champion forever. Yeah. Or if somebody wins one that's already won one, it's like oh my days, they're seriously going down in history now. They're a double major champion or triple or whatever. But it's either going to be USA or Europe win. Yeah. So it's not a big thing, but it obviously. What would be quite interesting for me if you are if you asked casual golf fans, mm-hmm. so you, you've got mates like that, I've got mates like that, who won the last Ryder Cup and where was it? Are they are they going to really be able to tell you? Yeah, I don't know. Where, I so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that works for for majors still. Like, if you said to who, name me some major winners, actually, that probably still won't work, would it? Like, I'm talking like casual. I definitely, golf fans. I definitely think more casual golf fans watch the Ryder Cup than yeah. some of the majors. Maybe not the the Masters as recently. Certainly with like Sky Sports, they've really bigged up the Masters. Haven't they? Like certainly on Sky Sports News a couple of days before, it's all about the Masters. So I think the Masters and the Open are kind of getting there. But I would say the Ryder Cup is the one that most people get behind because that team element. People like if you're a football fan, you're kind of used to that team sport, aren't yeah. you? And you get kind of behind it. Well, um, I I've seen Rory McIlroy in Bolton this weekend. Huh? Yeah. Actually, on a massive billboard. (laughs) (laughs) And I've seen many, many billboards around the Northwest this last few kind of weeks with Ryder Cup imagery on. Mm. And again, you don't normally get that. Is that that spending from, because it's such a big event for Sky Sports, for the PGA Tour, for the European Tour, for the Ryder Cup themselves, but there must be much more marketing that gets involved. Because it's an exhibition match at the end of the day. And there's huge amounts of money to be made in this in this exhibition match from every kind of all parts, really. Um, but yeah, it's mad seeing these massive billboards. Like normally, they're filled with football or mm. whatever it may be, and to see McElroy up there, and I think oh, that's quite cool. That's like, a bit different to what you'd normally see. And and I'm not saying that because you put a billboard in Bolton, suddenly a, no, a load of ten thousand Bolton, you know golf fans are going to start watching it, but it was still quite interesting to see, really. The other thing, I'm on the Radical website as we speak now, the official one. You go on Team Europe. It's not what's very a bit, good, the website. Well, what's a bit rubbish is, sounds not a big deal, but there's the, all the players there, like almost like kind of a chest-up shot. Half of them have got the official kind yeah. of outfit on, and half of them just standard, like, yeah, pictures. And it's like, surely they could have, in the last few couple of days, or since you know the team was announced, get a nice picture of them all. But also, how hard is it just to put a head on somebody else's body? Yeah. Like, when Ronaldo signed for United, you already saw him in a United shirt. That's true. Do you know, and, and it wasn't him in a United shirt. And, like, you think they should have just taken, like, Lee Westwood or Shane Lowry's head and stuck it on a different kind of body Every or frame. Everyone's got back to football now. You really have changed. Did you watch Honestly, United at the weekend? I did. I watched but United. I, I said to my brother, you were close to not supporting them if they'd have drawn. But, luckily, they, uh, they oh, won. Come on. That Lingard goal was different outrageous. Level, I even watched Liverpool. Bits did of Liverpool you? match. 
How yeah. good at Liverpool, though, be honest. They scored all their three goals from corner. You see that? I didn't even realise. Oh, yeah, that Kaita goal was ridiculous, that volley. Different level. You like Liverpool, don't you? I don't know enough of the Liverpool player. I'm getting... My knowledge of players <laughs> is ridiculously for, proven. For United or for everybody? And different teams. I think I've completed United now. <laughs> <laughs> it's now I'm expanding to different teams. I'm interested. Yeah. It, but it's a good league this year. It's really good. Like, ridiculously good league. I mean, this is how bad it's got. <laughs> so, I'll watch a lot of the matches on Saturday. Maybe maybe not always live, but I'll try and watch as much as I can. And um, Because, obviously, family commitments and stuff. I'll try and watch the highlights. The highlights are so good. When mm. the three-minute highlight, I mean, that's all you need in it, really. And then I'll even watch. I'll look at the table, see where everyone's positioned, everyone's moved. And then I'll even look at when the, the next fixtures are, like who United playing next. Like we're playing Villa next Saturday at home at 12 o'clock. I mean, first, though, we're playing West Ham in the uh, FA Cup. West Ham again? In the, on it? Wednesday in the third round. Oh, play. And then the Wednesday after, I'm going. Oh my days, are you? European match, United versus Vill- Villarreal. Well, you're a hardcore fan, so I don't even know why I'm surprised. <laughs> um, that was a bit of a random <laughs> intro into the podcast, because today it's just me and you, obviously, as people have probably gathered by now, there's nobody else here. Um, we've kind of got a bit of a chilled out one. We had a bit of Ryder Cup to chat about, and I'm sure the next podcast Ryder Cup will have... Oh no, we're doing the next podcast possibly on Friday. So oh yeah, we might have a guest, but we could also push that one back. Yeah, we'll see. But we won't be able to talk about the Ryder Cup, will we? We don't know who's won at that point. Or do you mean push it back to another day? Push the one that we've got planned with for you. Friday. Push it the back, week save after. it. Okay, we could do that. So next po- podcast, we may well catch up on the Ryder Cup. I think we would do anyway. Yeah. Because actually, our next guest could actually be really interesting. Yeah, that's Because of his European ties and his American ties. Yeah, that'll be good. We'll see how, we'll see how it works. Um, so today, Rick, I've got um, a number of good questions from okay. our podcast group listeners. So Fantastic. Again, we plug this occasionally. If you listen to the podcast, you enjoy the podcast, and you're on Facebook, why not join the group? Why not? Go in the search bar, search for the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast. It'll pop up, join it, we'll accept you, and you can browse. And it's only £30 a month. £30 a month. That comes to um, my PayPal account. <laughs> I then give Rick a fiver. Um, but I thought we'll just kind of reel off a few of these. A bit of a chilled one today. Carly last week was class. Really Went down good. really well. Um, I think she really enjoyed it as well, didn't she? I think she didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And she texted me afterwards and said, I really enjoyed that. She said she doesn't normally watch or listen to anything that she does, but she genuinely sat down and watched it all. And she couldn't believe some of the stories that she told. <laughs> yeah, we did get some good stories out of her. Really good. She also said that I was dead sound, didn't she, as well? Uh, let me just check. And she did, she well, definitely let me did. Let just check that message. What did she say? She said, go on, read it out. Who was that, who was that lad again? No, 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 no. I want it word message. for word. <laughs> Convenient. Uh, I want it word for word for listeners. Was good fun. Always great to see you. Carry on. Guy is lovely. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> Go back to see you, Rick, but Guy was better. It's the off-camera so that people don't see. Better. Yeah, it's what it meant. Read between the lines. Come on. Um, Go on then, what's our first question? So, I've got a bit quite, quite equipment-based this week, um, but I think some of them are interesting. Okay. So, the first one is from Adam Stratton, and he said, how do you hit out of a furry bunker from 180 yards and out? I saw this one, actually. Um... I think there's a, a few important factors. You've got to measure whether you can actually go for it. So mm-hmm. that's, I think that's your first point of call. Where you are positioned in the bunker, how much lip you've got to get over, how much, obviously, what other hazard you've got in front of you, whether it's going to be water or, or more bunkers. And that's then going to determine whether you try and go for it. If there's not much of a lip, if there's not much hazards, and you can maybe get like a six or a five iron at it, or maybe a hybrid. Other than that, you've got to take your medicine and hit out and play that more like a regulation bunker shot, but with maybe like a pitching wedge. For me, if you're going to go for it, you're going to make sure you don't bury your feet too much into the sand. You've got to keep your weight a little bit left, and you've got to make sure you hit ball first, ground after. Mm. Hybrids and fairway woods are really good for the, those type of shots if you've not got a lot of lip yeah. to get over. But as soon as you've got lip to get over, you've just got to take your medicine. Bunkers are there to catch you out. They're there to punish you. Sometimes they do. Pitch it out try and rescue a, a bogey or whatever it may be. One tip I got told years ago, and I do do this, you tell me if it's right or not, is grip it tighter. Yeah, I like that as well. I think it's because if you grip it tighter, your Short forearm shortens yeah. and you're going to catch it a bit more thin because you kind of want to catch them a little bit thin, don't you really? Yeah, well, I did that video recently where I was talking about relaxing and how you can kind of play better golf without kind of changing too many things. And one of those things was keeping your grip pressure quite light because you don't want to thin it. Mm. But you're right, 
I, I like to grip it really hard in thick rough so it doesn't snag your club. Yeah. And I would grip it harder in a bunker as well. And, and maybe even again on that point where you're trying to catch it a little bit thinner, just grip down on the club a tiny bit as well. I like that. Before we go on to some more of those questions, though, I've got a really good day, Rick, for you. Okay. Um, we're still getting loads of these in. Obviously, we, we might start reading a couple, couple an episode because I feel bad that so many people are emailing with good questions and we only kind of do one. So maybe going forward, we'll we'll do a couple an episode. If you want yours um, read out, please. And we try also, I do reply to a lot of these and show Rick a lot of them off, off um, air as yeah. well. So uh, email us, podcast at rickshields.com. Um, and we'll try and get as many either done on the show or at least send you an email back. So this one is from... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, I'll keep anonymous, don't think he needs to be, but I'll keep anonymous for this. Dear Gainrick, I've just been to American Golf and got properly fitted for a new driver that my wife has bought me as a gift. While I was there, I asked if they could fit me for some irons, and the pro, Alex, was a great guy, got me hitting the P797 iron, um, and the change from my current clubs was incredible. I knew mine were bad when I bought the 7 iron as well, but they didn't laugh, And the no- but the noises they made when I'd hit it didn't say, oh, you've got good clubs there, mate. Um, they were 15-year-old Mizunos with what turns out to be a regular flex when I need a stiff. The pro wasn't pushy or forcing me to buy anything. He didn't even mention the price of the clubs until I asked. My problem is they're pretty pricey. I've not been playing properly for too long, and I can't really justify the expense, even though it will have a big impact on my game. I also don't want to have wasted Alex's time. I feel like I've got, I'm left with three options. Should I be asking what's similar to the clubs he's fit me for, but a cheaper alternative? Um, trying to find the closest, or try to find the closest match to what I've been fit for, but get used ones or older clubs off eBay, or should I just bite the bullet? pay the retail price and other clubs that I was fit for because theoretically they are perfect for me and they could last me a long time. Also, as a side note, the set is a five to pitching wedge, so I'd be losing three clubs from my current set. I'm guessing he's got three, four and a sand iron. Is it worth dropping these clubs if I'm going to be getting more out of the better set with fewer clubs? Really enjoy the podcast and the videos. They got me through working from home during lockdowns and got me into golf this year. Uh, Joined a club in May and I'm currently a 23 handicap. Thanks, fellas. Nice. Lots to digest. There is a lot to digest. So he's gone getting a fitting. The fitting for P seven nineties, and now he's gone. Ah, I didn't realise they were that pricey. Mm. Potentially, I mean, a little bit could have been prevented here. One, the fitter could have made it a bit more obvious. Have you got a budget in mind? Mm. You know, sure. That should be a question that is discussed in a fitting. Unless, unless, literally, a customer comes in and says, "I have no budget." 
fit me for what is absolutely perfect for me, well, then the fit is obviously going to go to town and probably fit you with expensive clubs. Yeah. I think if you go in there with a budget and be honest and say, listen, I'm looking at spending somewhere in the region of 300 to 500 pounds for a set of irons, whatever it may be, or I'm looking for some secondhand ones, but but be honest and be upfront because you've, you've got to do that. Because if you go in, like say, what's a set of P790s now is comfortably over a grand. Oh yeah, they? they're expensive. So, so we've got a few options. Let, let's discuss this. Looking for ones that are similar spec to yours, but secondhand is not a terrible option. Mm-hmm. I would potentially avoid eBay. I'd maybe look on Golf Bidder only because you know they're guaranteed to be real. Genuine. There's a lot of fake P790s going around, isn't there? Yes. Like, and do not buy them off these dodgy websites where it literally looks like they're too good to be true because mm-hmm. they are not true. So maybe going somewhere to like Golf Bidder. The other thing you can do, if you were to get them from Golf Bidder and they weren't in your perfect spec, you could take that information you got from Alex and actually have them fitted elsewhere. Yeah. You'd feel a little bit bad on Alex because obviously you went there for a fitting. Uh, but it kind of happens in, in the real world, unfortunately. Um, I like the other option of if you liked Alex and he gave you good fitting, going back to him and saying, listen, these are a bit too expensive. Is there anything else in this price range that are going to suit me? Don't get too hung up on this kind of, these clubs are perfect for me because there's so many different golf clubs out there. Like having, yeah, even though he's been fitted for these and they're perfect for him the- theoretically, there's so many golf clubs yeah. that are going to be perfect for him, aren't I think they? What, you know I've, what, I mean? what I've had a quick look at then as well, and I'm not for one. I'm sure the fitting was fantastic, and I'm sure Alex, who we mentioned, obviously we don't know what store it was, but I'm sure he was also really good. The only thing that's slightly, and I, and I want to use the word concern very loosely, is that it sounds like, and it is in most cases, it's a seven nine versus seven nine test. Yeah. So in most facilities, they will have um, fitting components for a set of clubs that you want to try, and they'll only have a seven iron. It's it's sometimes you might get a four iron or you might get a wedge. And that's because a lot of these sets now clearly are interchangeable, so they can put different shafts in, they can change the line angle, so they can't really stock every iron from every brand in a changeable head because it'd just be cost too much, just wouldn't be where would even store it. But when we look, I know he's not got the exact um, model here, but he said the 15-year-old-ish Mizunos, and he's a 23 handicapper, so I'm guessing, I'm kind of presuming here, but they're quite chunky irons. So he's been on the TaylorMade website, and weirdly, on the I think it's the German site, they've got this mad timeline from like it, every year and you can look at what irons are out so i've gone 15 years ago is roughly obviously like on mizuno yeah 2005 2006 roughly when we look at the irons that are out so like the mx25 launched in like 20 2006 um the seven iron loft of that iron is 34 degrees and 30.5 30.5 in p790s um the six iron in p790s is 26.5 and the six iron in the and next to five was 30. So you're looking quite literally at like a degree, a, a full club stronger. A different club. A different club. So if, because he's, he's not quite said here what was so perfect about them. And I might be wrong in saying this, but most people, when they go for a fitting, you look at distance, don't you? You go, you've gained six yards, you've gained eight yards, you've gained 10 yards over your current clubs. And how, let's again, let's play devil advocate. How easy is that for a fitter then to sell a product? Oh, unbelievably after easy. That? Unbelievably like easy. Once you've said, these clubs are six to ten yards longer than your current set. Yeah, yeah 100%. How would you dress that up? I mean, it's so like, you know, your mates are normally hitting seven, you're going to be hitting eight. Well, that's it. You know, now, normally you're hitting like a pitching wedge into that green, you can't, or nine iron or whatever. Now you're going to be flicking a pitching wedge in. Exactly. And don't get me wrong, the P790s are a phenomenal set of golf clubs. They're very forgiving. They launch it nice and high. They're quite, quite a compact head that doesn't look too ugly. So you do get a lot of good mm, things with a P790. Clubs. So if he might almost reply to this email and say, actually, no, I was finding that the dispersion was tighter, the feel was miles better, or whatever it might be. But what would, again, what would slightly concern me would be if it was distances going off, you're not really doing a true test. You should you should be testing your six iron against that seven iron, really, and seeing actually now what's the difference? Is there still a jumping distance or are they closer? Um, because that is the thing with testing old clubs against new ones. Certainly with irons, you're not really testing the same against the same. I, I never, and you've seen me on fittings, I hate hitting my current clubs and then letting the fitter outbeat it. Well, that's it. Because yeah. it's just, it's just, you can, people, fitters can fudge it as well. Like, well. And also, let's say you're cold, you start hitting your normal driver or 7-iron, whatever it may be. There's going to be some crap ones in there. Yeah. Everything will get kept in. Yeah. 
in that list of 10, let's say you hit, and they'll go, oh, your average is 240. And you think, oh, I thought you hit it further than that. But your average is 240. That's including all warts and all. Mm. You then hit the new latest driver. You hit 50 golf shots, but they handpick your best five. Exactly. And I think Eve, that, that sounds, when you say it like that, it almost sounds quite dodgy. But I think actually it's almost done... It's almost done by accident because what will happen is, and again, I used to be a fitter in, in retail stores and obviously for Nike, which I've mentioned numerous times, but you'd get somebody coming, certainly in a retail store, they'd come in with their own 7-iron and they'd hit a few and they'd be a bit nervous and you'd kind of go, oh, go on, hit a couple, get loosened up. So they'd hit maybe 10 or 11. Then you give them the new iron or the new driver. They shank one and they top it. Oh, you're not used to that yet. Let's just, like you said, let's delete that one. Let's, you know, let's get you used to the driver first. So like you said, you, you end up picking five or six great shots and you've not really done it to try and be sneaky. It's just what feels kind of right in the moment. And you go, actually, yeah, you've gained 15 yards. Yeah. And it's like, well, firstly, the clubs are club stronger, which you've just mentioned, and you're picking out your best ones. So yeah. it's... Um, and even things like, again, subconsciously, even though he said the guys are dead sound, they're probably not going to be going, oh, they're nice Mizuno MX-25s from 2006. And go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, good set back in the day. It's almost negative, like, do you know what I mean? And they go, these are the brand new shiny P790s, they go mild, da-da-da-da-da. You're like, okay, yeah. It's all about the, the vibe, in it? Of course it it's is. the vibe. I, let's be honest, it, you're going into a sales environment. Yes. And that fitter, as much as he might be an incredible fitter. And I do believe fitters genuinely go into fitting with the best intentions to get the best for the player. Mm. But then they're also incentivized on sales. They're also incentivized on selling you the best product. Is that, do you reckon that's still the case? I know it was when you were at American Golf. American Golf used to have certain brands that used to earn you more commission. So what it used to be, you're probably saying, well, I can say it now, I don't work, I've not worked <laughs> since 2013. But what it used to be at the time was there was three different, I think it was called Birdie, Eagle and Par, I think it was called, sort of Eagle, Birdie, Par, whatever it was. And there were some brands, your, your big brands, your Titleists, your Mizunos, your TaylorMades, your Callaways, all your proper premium brands. As a as a um, member of staff, you would get a 1% commission of the profit, right? So what people don't realise, if you sell a set of £600 or at the time, let's call them a grand now, Titleist Irons, there's actually not much profit in there's them. There's really not, is there? So there might be 100 quid, let's just say, maybe a bit more, but 100 quid for round figures. You would have, at the time, got 1% of that, so you'd get so a quid. No a quid. Oh, yeah, quid, so It's yeah. nothing. So it's literally, it sounds bizarre, that, doesn't it? but it's almost not worth your time. However, then they had lines, I think it was the birdie line, that you would get 4% of, okay. so you're getting four times as much. But also, there's more margin. Yeah, I was just going to so say that. that might be like Wilson Staff. Uh, there was Wilson Staff. There was a couple of other brands. So not only, that set might only be 600 quid, but there might be 200 quid profit, and you're getting 4% of that. And then the final line was the Eagle stuff, and that was 6% of the profit margin. But again, it was super profits. So that was your Wilson Deep Red, your Nicholas brand, Yonix. Now, Yonix was a strange one, because Yonix yeah. was super premium, with massive margin, really? and you got 6%. So if you saw, I remember, I think I told you, there was those two twins that played for United, Raphael yeah. and what was the other one called? Um, yeah. Yeah, you should know those this. Two. Those oh, two. Yeah, those no. two twins, they're yeah, Bra yeah. Brazilian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and one of them came in one day to start golf, and my, I wasn't in, and my colleague sold him literally everything Yonix. And to be fair, it was actually good stuff, but bag, everything, literally, and it came to about like two and a half, three grand. So this lad got unbelievable commission. The following weekend or the following day or whatever, the other twin came in with his twin and said, oh, he wants exactly everything the same. The lad that served him wasn't in, so I took the sale and got what at the time was like 60, 70, 80 quid commission off one sale that was just took minutes. So that's how it was back then. So what used to be the worst thing ever, and I, and I hate myself for admitting this, but I will, you'd have somebody come in who would say, I want to buy a drive. I've not got loads. They might have 130 quid, which is, you know, a decent amount. There was two options, really. They either go for TaylorMade Burner that's a few models old but's on sale at 129 or the brand-new Nicholas driver that you get a hell of a load more oh commission on. So I would never just fleece people because it's not fair. I couldn't live with myself doing that. But you'd take them onto the range, and you would be hoping they hit the Nicholas better because you'll get that, more commission. That's not, that's not on you. You're almost being... You almost been served that moral Ooh, dilemma by the company. Hundred uh, percent, Fabio and Raphael. Fabio and Raphael. I believe though that has now changed American golf from what I've heard. I think apparently, and again, don't quote me on this, but I think they get a flat percent on anything they sell. Right. So whether it be whatever brand, it's just I think it's just done of the full price. I think. But so it, there's less in, there's less like you're not going to want to sell the stuff that's not right for the consumer as much as you might have done. <laughs> 
Did we say this guy's name or is he anonymous? No, he's anonymous. I used to get 50p for selling two dozen Wilson Deep Red balls. Wow. So if you came in saying, I'm not the best golfer, I, I lose balls quite a lot, and Wilson Deep Red, there's 50p, that's a Mars bar. But if you sold a packet of uh, two dozen Shrix and AD triple three? It essentially got nothing really, like 5p for that, I don't know. How did it all get tallied up? Because of your code? When you log in, I remember my um, code still. I'm not going to say it's actually the pin code that I have on my, wife, my phone, which is... Oh, oh how weird is that? Um, that's really weird, isn't it? You literally said mobile phone yeah. as your mobile phone started um, drinking. I was mute that. Um, yeah, so you, you also had a list in the back office as well. Um, just one sec. Um, used to have a a, co- a a sheet, and it would tell you all the stuff and how much you'd get. And was there like a leaderboard on on this stuff as well? It wasn't on commission. There was a leaderboard on sales. Right. But that's what well, yeah, again because I was quite savvy to. I wasn't that bothered about say having the highest sales in terms of pound notes, but I'd always want to make the most commission because yeah. at the time I was a student. It was a, as a weekend job, as you know. Of so if I could make fifty quid a week yeah, extra yeah, yeah. over a month, that's clearly two hundred quid. Yeah, but spend the money. Well, the last one. On, do you ever remember um, Fisher Putters? They used to have in there. No. So Fisher Putters. This was a. Oh, this was the what best. What brand was this? That was it. It was a brand called Fisher. Never heard of them. Um, I think you will. Were they blue? They had, ah, okay, we'll get, they had different inserts. Yes, there was four different inserts. There was black, oh, blue, yes. green, and red. I do remember them. And apparently the insert was the same material that Odyssey used. And they were very heavy in the head. Apparently. Yeah, very heavy in the head. But they were massive margin. They and they were them? so easy to sell because they actually felt really good. They used to have the, one of the inserts was like outrageously soft on it. Yes, it was the green, I think. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, they still make them. Go on, and what was the, what was the commission? Silly money. No, it was about a fiver, but it was quite a quick sale. So if yeah. you could do it, and then the final, final, sorry, the final one <laughs> was golf insurance. So this brought this thing in worth a twenty five, I think ninety nine or twenty four ninety nine. It was golf insurance, right? Okay. So you'd come to the till, yeah, and you've bought a um, set of irons and a driver, yeah. and I'd served it. I'd go right. Last thing, have you got golf insurance? Uh, no, I've not. Have you heard about golf insurance before? No, I didn't, right. know, I didn't even know it existed. Perfect. Do this, we need it? Yes, 100%, because this is really vital for a number of reasons. Firstly, you've bought a set of golf clubs. Yeah. So a lot of people wrongly think they're covered on the house insurance when they're actually not, unless you add them on. I've not even checked. Right, okay, well, therefore, they're probably not. Uh, so if you leave here now, go to Traff Centre for some food with your wife, yeah, and your, which your, I plan car, to do. your car gets broken into, you might not be covered. Right. Oh, so you're joking. The, that, exactly, that's the first I've thing. I've just spent... Well, you want to get it covered. I've just spent two grand on Yonex Golf Clubs. Exactly, so is nothing. Secondly, it also means if you it, unfortunately you hit somebody while on the golf course, oh, it covers you for that. I am prone to that. If you're not a member of a golf course, you often won't be covered. So that's really important to get oh, that. And yeah. then finally, and this is the thing that I love so much about the golf insurance. Go on, tell me. You get three free rounds of golf. Shut up. Yeah, at really good golf courses. So, so like twenty five pounds. It's nothing. It's you're getting three free rounds of golf. So even if you buy it now and use it for the free golf, you're covered. What what are the what are the where can I play? Um, Marriott Worsley Park nice which is the home of Rick Shields <laughs> nice. so you probably find loads of if you walk on the left of the holes shit loads of Pro V1s <laughs> it's that pace for itself <laughs> anywhere I can play anywhere basically. anywhere basically Wentworth not Wentworth okay. but you're not good enough to play Wentworth <laughs> and also this is the real sale I get a pound for selling this oh yeah, that was a big sale for a pound yeah it was but I was quite good at selling them <laughs> but you'd work your Sorry, I keep saying you'd work your That's a big sell for it. You're just going to get a pound for that. Work your off for a quid. Bloody hell. Wow. God. And did people buy it? Yeah. It was, to be fair, it was good for the three rounds of golf. But they have to fill out paperwork and all that crap. That was the problem. Yeah. See, if it was done, I just said, yeah, do it. And magically, all my details was inserted. I'd definitely do it. But. And then finally. Are these these insurances like. Do they cover like cover you for like holding ones yeah, i think they did yeah i think there's loads but then also we used to get if you bought a set of irons <laughs> my old one i'll do so you've got your set of p790s ag exposed yeah you got your set of p790s sir just so you know as well you actually get um 20 off a set of iron head covers with them as well no way yeah so i think it, but just but i've heard iron head covers aren't cool they're not that cool i'll be honest with you i'll level with you but what's really important is you might have these irons for let's say five years i, I really appreciate your honesty well I'm always here to be honest. I've sold you some <laughs> clubs for a couple of quid, but other than that, I'm honest. Um, if you put these iron head covers on, 
you might get ridiculed by your friends, or there might be the world's number one golf podcast might skip you occasionally. Yeah. However, it will massively increase your resale or trading value when you come to sell them. Now, oh, I know I when you buy a set that. of irons, you're not thinking about reselling not, them. You probably might, you might never do. However, on the off chance in five years' time, a new set comes out that's longer, actually it's just a stronger loft, but it goes longer, you'll get more money for these, probably around 10 to 15% more. So for the small price of twenty four ninety nine, these Castle Bays, you're going to get hit <laughs> by your mates, your wife will leave you, but you'll get more money when you trade them in. <laughs> I'm doing I'm told. And then lastly, it's three for two on tees. So pink castles get three for the price of two. I've always needed tees. There you go. And we're going to play golf without tees. <laughs> wow. There we I go. literally came in for a pair of socks. Yeah. And I've walked out with two grand's worth of Yonex yeah. clubs, a Fisher putter, a, a Bay Hill head covers that I didn't even know I needed. Castle Bay. What? Six, 60,000 tea pegs, golf insurance, and you're, you're nine quid better off. I'm nine quid better <laughs> I'll be it's a Nando's tonight. Uh, wow. I there don't know go. if you answered his question though, did we? That was Yeah, that went a bit wild. Just uh, be careful when you're getting fitted. Not just American golf, any retailer. Any retailer. Um, it, it, listen, it's just one of those things. You just have to, you have to have your head switched on. And lastly, jokes aside, American golf has really changed the last few years. Yeah, it's definitely it's Certainly, it, it feels a lot better. <laughs> Since guys now expose yeah. all the secrets. Um, okay, a couple more questions then. Um, David Creasy has asked, how do you decide what video to shoot each week? It's a great question. We, well, we have three strands of content. I don't want to give too many secrets away here, though. We have coaching videos, entertainment, and equipment. So we try and rotate around that. We typically release three YouTube videos a week. We typically then release somewhere between 10 to 14 Facebook videos a week. If you're not on Facebook, do get on Facebook. It's free to sign up if you don't already. And you can follow the Rick Shields Golf page the actual page which is over a million followers now thank you for that um so we try and make sure that we've got content around those areas don't we mm. me and guy will chat a lot we'll brainstorm a lot sometimes we'll have floods of ideas yeah. like sometimes literally we're writing ideas down we're like oh my god we've got like 10 ideas down and that banks it for the rest of the kind of next few weeks other times it's a little bit trickier sometimes we're like oh what do we film but then suddenly a piece of motivation comes from somewhere either we do a coaching video or something that i've seen you can get inspiration from anywhere like you you'll text me at a weekend and go what about this for an idea mm. or i'll text you at another time and go oh i've seen this should i buy this should i buy yeah, this yeah. i've just bought some golf balls that are mega interesting that have arrived today yeah. and that's going to be fascinating um so it's just always been on the lookout for new pieces of opportunity whether it's going to be a, a really good coaching video an entertaining video or a new um, piece of equipment like break 75 that whole idea started from you me and harry sat in my garage yeah we were going to film a set of callaway irons and just weren't inspired no it was just it was it was inside the golf courses were closed the callaway irons weren't the most exciting in the world and we just sat down and went, what can we do what's different and suddenly we kind of brainstormed this idea of break 75 and that obviously ran for 12 weeks and we'll be coming back again next year. But like all those little kind of avenues or series or strands just keep kind of working away and we have we have notes on our phones and we'll share ideas all the time, won't mm. we? Yeah, that's it. It's, it's taking inspiration from other industries as well. Other YouTubers. Other, YouTube, <laughs> other golf YouTubers. Um, what we, we do is... We steal all our yeah, ideas. This, if you've got less than 100 subscribers or less than 1,000, we'll just copy all your ideas. No, no we, we don't. We don't, don't quote us on that. No, we don't. We, we, um, I must admit, though, I do kind of... I don't want to use the word copy, but do take inspiration from other crazy and other industries because you have to, don't you? Um, obviously, we have a lot of golf clubs we review. We could do we could do so many more videos if yeah. we read, read everything we get sent, but a lot of it's, it's hard to... You know, for a set of irons, it's a new version of one from the year before. It's very hard to make a story around yeah. it. Um, or, or like a, a random hybrid. Yeah. Because like, it's so like niche almost. And also, I think something like a hybrid, It's I mean, every club's personal, but it's so much down to the individual. Like you might hate a hybrid because it doesn't suit your swing or whatever, and you're pulling it left, it's going really high and floaty. Somebody with a slice, that might be the best hybrid ever. So it's hard, isn't it? But I think we do a good job of that, being able to I think we identify... Do- if it doesn't quite suit me, who would it actually suit? But we do that with clubs that we know wouldn't suit me yeah, yeah. That make, but like if we did it with everything it would be like i mean you, yeah it's hard isn't it even like with some of these chunky wedges we do well actually you do need the help to be yeah. sure. <laughs> um, okay another question there's like this one from dominic uh ma maha oh, how do you say that it's m-a-h-o-n man dominic uh, mayhan oh uh, yeah Mayhan. Mayhan, like that i used to i used to work with a guy that was called, that's her name i'm sorry if i've destroyed your name dominic, dominic but 
Dominic Mahan. M-A-H-O-N. Mahan. 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 Mahone. I'm not sure. I'm going to go with Mahone. Anyway, it's Dominic a really, good, really good question. It's what's your opinion on direct-to-consumer golf clubs? Really? So if you're not aware of those, there's obviously brands that you just literally buy from that from the brand, clubs from the brand, sorry. So Ben Hogan are probably one of the most co- popular ones, common ones, where you go on their website, you can order them, you choose your length, your lie, etc. You ship them out to you. I think it's really good because typically you make a bit more of a saving, as we've just mentioned a minute ago. When you have a third party, i.e. a retail store, they're going to want to take money. Um, I think the only thing that kind of trips up these direct-to-consumer brands is the kind of fitting element because mm. it requires some knowledge from yeah. the golfer. That's that's the only downside I see. But typically, and also struggle to test them sometimes. Yeah, I think some of them have like a policy we can get them, yeah. try them and send them back, but... What would be really good for these direct-to-consumer brands if they would just be able to do pop-up fitting days sometimes? Yeah. If they could just go around the country, do pop-up fitting days. So you've got all that information, then order them online. Yeah. Well, like you said, the big benefit with the direct-to-consumer is you're cutting out the middleman. Yeah. So whereas normally they're selling at American Golf or a club pro who's got to make the profit on them alone, not a lot, like we said. But you're just getting them from the the the, 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 uh, re, the, the brand. So there's no, you know, no middleman. The only um, thing you don't typically get then... You, you might not pick up as many bargains, let's say. So, for example, if, you, if you're if you a retailer and you've got a stock of the old tailor-made driver on yeah, the shelf true. and then new stuff comes in, that typically gets knocked down. You know, down in price. Direct-to-consumer, you might see a little bit of that as they tail off that production line, but really they can probably just pr- stop producing that product yeah. and bang, they're in, in with the new product at the same price. Yeah, and that's it as well. You're also going to find if you walk into a, a pro shop and... You know, the pros had a good day or whatever, and you want to buy a new SIM too. You might go, I'll tell you what, you're a good member. I'll do a good deal on that and do your stupid discount that he can do. It's his own stock. He does what you can give it to him free if you wanted to. Whereas on a direct to consumer, it is the price. So although it's cheaper typically, you're not really going to get a discount necessarily. The, the other things as well, and we, we've obviously had a lot of talk about American golf today, but you know, if you go and if you, if you can find a really good pro or a really good service, someone like a Dan Webster we've had on the podcast mm-hmm. before. And you get a really good fitting, and like I say, he's the pro, and you're a member of his golf club, or you go through his driving range, and, and you know you feel like, oh, I know Dan wouldn't do anything bad to me. He's going to fit me in the right way. He's going to get me the best deal, and he does that kind of handing over, doesn't he? Yeah, where yeah handover session. He'll yeah. invite you down and and unbox the clubs, and you get to hit them in front of him, and he might do a gapping session for you, and throw in like a personalized towel or a hat, or it's those extra bits you don't get from direct yeah. consumer. You maybe don't get from American Golf that you can only really get from independent yeah yeah you know a, a pro or or someone like a, a tour x or a txg over in canada it's those little touches that you sometimes don't get but then obviously you pay more for those little touches i guess i think it, it literally it comes down to what you want what kind of clubs you want what experience you want you can go to sports direct and buy a driver that's going to be cheap that's going to perform all right off potentially without being a sales member of staff who's got no interest in golf who's normally on the trainers who's on golf for that day um, but obviously, if you're going out spending a lot of money, you might want to go somewhere that's a bit more special, like a Torx, and really yeah. get that experience. So it's all down to what you want, really. The last thing as well, the benefit of direct to consumer is they typically don't sponsor tour pros either, yeah. and they don't spend loads and loads on like marketing materials. So when you go, you think about it, when you go into any store that's got a big tailor-made stand, that has to be paid for from somewhere. Yeah. Um, okay, one more, and well, a couple more actually. This is definitely on you, Rick. Cause I don't have a clue on this one, but from Joe Fraser, advice for a new assistant pro in the golf world. Um, I probably just have to rewind myself to when I was assistant pro. For me, I was just a sponge, and I and I really worked as hard as I could. There was a couple of things I did really well as an assistant pro. I tried to learn from my senior pros that I was working underneath. So mm-hmm. at the time, I was working under Natalie Adams and Peter Eyre at Mia. I noticed what they did well, mm-hmm. what I would would take inspiration from. I noticed how they ran their teaching diary, for example. I, I noticed how Pete ran his business and his and his staffing and his rotors and his buying of stocks. That was something I was always very intrigued more than just sat back and kind of just did my job and turned yeah. up every day. I, I asked questions. I, I said, you know, to Natalie, you know, you've got six juniors there on a on a camp how do you separate the six juniors in an hour so they all get the same amount of level of coaching or how do you deal with different ability golfers in the same group for example how do you work out your taxes how do you work out your marketing your advertising and it it, 
I either learnt from observation or learnt from asking. Mm-hmm. And again, with Pete on the on the pro shop side of things, more the business side of things, like I was very interested in okay, what's the new stock coming in? How much did we pay for that item? How do we get bulk buy on if we bought all this stock? What bulk buy did we get? What's yeah. our what's our payment terms? And all these things that from a business, I was compl- I didn't know. I knew how to play golf, so, so to speak, loosely. Mm-hmm. But it was all these other things now as I turned it into a business. Well, I want to know every single aspect of it. So as an assistant pro, I very much wanted to kind of digest information. And for me, I got a lot of my information as I started to become you know, more active on social media, started soaking what other coaches were saying. And now there's a wealth of knowledge out there that you can dive into. Just soaking as much as you can. My last piece of advice, and honestly, I think this massively helped me in my whole development. And I I learned this from Mia, and this really got instilled on me. Have a really strong relationship with members. Mm -hmm. Like learn their names, talk to them, be open with them. Like, build these kind of relationships and rapports because even now how many years have i been like 15 years i turned pro i know people i met 15 years ago as a member that i'd classify as friends now and and, or or really good business um people that i might need in the future do you know what i mean so at a golf club you're very lucky you get to meet a lot of individuals from all different sectors of life yeah learn get to know them like don't don't be a recluse and kind of hide away and almost just be the assistant that's grind on the driving range every day, which obviously is a part of your world. Speak to members, ask them how they're doing, what they do for the work, go and play golf with them. Yeah, yeah. Like it's so important to kind of build those relationships. I think again, I'm not a PJ pro. The only thing I would say from my time in the golf industry is some people t- doing the PJ might literally want to as- you know aspire to have their own shop and 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 have a good um, business doing that and and fit in and coaching and that's perfectly fine there's so many successful people e.g. Dan Webster who've done that but equally there's so many more avenues now for PJ pros probably more than ever like oh, whether it be having like you said your own driving range or you know jokes at working like an American golf could be a good career for some people if you want a golf marketing company exactly a YouTuber well you that's could- it and and even like when I was at, at Nike loads of the sales reps were PJ pros who'd gone into that yep. so even little things I'm sure this you would anyway but like every rep that comes in from Titus from Callow from Mizuno get pally with them you know yep. don't fake it but just be be a, be nice and you never know there might be a sales rep job coming you think actually I do want to get into that and being a PJ pro is a massive head start over other people that aren't correct so you know don't just limit yourself to the shop although that's also a great job there's, there's loads to do and then last one this is um something I've not got any <laughs> real ideas on, but we may as well ask it anyway, see if you've heard anything. From Baden Aldridge, have you heard any rumours surrounding 2022 clubs? If so, what are you most excited by? I don't feel like I've learned I think this time next month, yet. we'll have a different answer. The only thing I have heard, I told you this, speaking to, and I'm not going to say which brand, I had a phone call with one of the big, big brands recently, very yeah. briefly, just seeing how we're getting on. And he said to me that next year's driver from said brand is going to be very, very kind of revolutionary and not just a little iteration of what's currently out. Do you remember I told that to you? You do. I'll tell you off uh, if you want. Give me the initial of said person. Just the first initial. <laughs> second initial of said person. S. Oh, doesn't work. Uh, well, second in it, oh, another yeah, second yeah, yeah, name, no, surname. Yeah, 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 I've got it, I've got it. Um, okay. And apparently, I don't know why I've not seen it yet. I probably will this time next month. We might have started to see stuff. It's oh, literally the time, the time now where we start to see product. What, you, what you'll normally see is that drivers typically will launch at the start of next year. So 2022, start of the year, that's when the drivers launch. We will typically get them at the start of December. We'll learn about them in kind of November time. Yeah. So like I say, coming up soon, we'll have much more knowledge. Um yeah, I don't, I've not seen that much yet. I, I don't feel that excited I don't, yet. I was going to say, that's the words out of my mouth. I don't at all. But brands have a way of bringing stuff out that makes me intrigued. Whether think, it always works, I'm not sure. Well, doesn't always, but I'm intrigued to see what's coming next. Well, what was it the other day that Patrick Cantlay won with loads of old clubs? Yeah. And like, I know, again, we've said this kind of thing before, but... It does just prove, doesn't it, time and time again, that you don't need the latest and greatest. But what the brands will 100% do, I said, I'm not, we're both in the same boat, not that excited right now, but 100%, start of the year, they'll come out with the fastest face ever, this, that, the other, and you're like, okay, let's try it. And they'll probably be good. And you go, oh, yeah, it's better than last year's by a couple of yards, or it's more forgiving, or it looks better. So we'll end up wanting it. People will end up wanting it. People will buy it. But 
as it stands, I'm not bothered. Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what the future holds. Couple of things then, Rich. Before we end, well, how far are we now, Matt? Fifty-four minutes. Oh, nice. Um, again, a little bit of housekeeping. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like down below, subscribe to the channel. Um, watch people just comment as well, Rick. What? Yeah, why not? Yeah, just okay. say nice things. It's yeah, been a, been a very. I think it's been a very informative mm. podcast today, yeah. and it's free. Oh, so people don't pay for this. No. Oh. And if you're listening on Apple and you want to give us a, a five-star rating, please do. We always appreciate those. And then obviously any more emails, podcast at rickshields.com. And we are, maybe soon we'll announce the guests that are coming on the live episode. They're all locked in and confirmed. So maybe, and lastly, actually, I can't do a podcast next Monday. I'm off next Monday and Tuesday for my birthday. Oh, for God's sake. So we'll have to do Friday, maybe do two, or just do that one anyway. So, Well, would that be 98 and 99 anyway? It would be if we do it that way. Um, okay, we'll have a thing. Yeah, whatever. Oh, it's your birthday next week. Yeah, 31. Wow, how do you feel? Old, grey and fat. Put on a stone to my wedding. Welcome to the club. <laughs> it's well, alright. It's, it's, look, getting married is cool. Cu- couple of blokes, put on a bit of timber, love our footsie, like a beer occasionally. <laughs> love our food. Love our food. What, what do you do? We're just one of the lads. Just pure lads. Of the lads. Yeah. Swear loads as well now, don't we? Off camera. What are you looking at your arms for? I'm just debating whether to get United Tattoo on my left arm or my right. I think on the right arm. <laughs> CR7. And then England badge on the other one. I like Bulldog that. on your leg. I like that. Barbed wire somewhere. Yeah. big Just a big off tribal right down the right arm. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cantona on my chest. That one that Cantona used to have on my chest. Because just to show that I used to also like football. Oh, yeah. You're not a new fan. No, I'm, I'm old school fan. Really old school fan. Guys, thanks for listening. Random one, but hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, Like, subscribe, review, and we'll see you next week with Radicup and a cool guest. What a flat ending. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Have a great day at work, everyone, or whatever you're doing. If you're in the bath, have a nice soak. I've all took my headphones off. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.